Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. As usual, and uh, we can actually talk in real time. Uh, this is great. I, I was doing a lot of taping uh, here in the day. And um, it being I wasn't traveling, I was able to uh, arrange with our team to, uh, to talk to you in this way this evening. Uh, a lot of times uh, the programs are pre-taped, but uh, it's always better to be with you live. So thanks very much. Let me know that you're here. Let me know where you're from. Let me know your thoughts uh, and uh, questions. I want to talk to you tonight about the national divorce. And uh, you've been hearing uh, dispute about this and thoughts about this uh, from some original comments made by uh, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I wanted to just share with you what I uh, have been thinking about this uh, this whole point and as it pertains to the issues that we discuss here on Praying for America and on our other broadcasts as well. Oh, I see some of our uh, usual regular folks, uh, Patricia O'Neill and um, Colin, and uh, let's see who else, uh, Angela from Chicago and uh, Jean. Um, this is great. Yeah, thank you from, uh, uh, from all of you uh, for, for being here. All right, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit upon us as we are about to read from your word, the event of Pentecost. We know that we need a new Pentecost in America. We need a new Pentecost in your church. We need the Holy Spirit within ourselves to continue to Rouse us up spiritually, send us out on mission, and sustain us in the battle. Assist us, Lord, as we pray for America, as we work to save America, as we work to save freedom and life, and as we serve to extend your kingdom. We pray through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Okay, you'll see me look up this way because that's where I see the comments. Uh, but let's go to the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, the uh, passage about Pentecost. When the time for Pentecost was fulfilled, they were all in one place together. And suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind, and it filled the entire house where they were. Then there appeared to them tongues as of fire, which parted and came to rest on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven staying in Jerusalem. At this sound, they gathered in a large crowd, but they were confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded, and in amazement they said, Are not all of these people who are speaking Galileans? How then does each of us hear them in his own native language? We are Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, inhabitants of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya near Cyrene, 
as well as travelers from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Yet we hear them speaking in our own tongues of the mighty acts of God. They were all astounded and bewildered and said to one another, What does this mean? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the proclamation of your gospel, this Pentecost event that enabled it to spread quickly with the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. May we be proclaimers of this same word, and may we work together to spread it quickly, to bring together from many different backgrounds a people who will engage in true worship a people who will obey your word. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, you can see that that passage uh, pertains to a discussion about um, a national divide, a national divorce, or whatever we would want to call the uh, situation we are facing in America. Now, let's say right off the bat that um, the concept and the terminology of a national divorce can be easily uh, understood to mean many, many very different things. And it's not surprising that most people don't like the idea because, well, first of all, we don't even know if we're talking about the same thing. And I want to, uh, uh, I want to specify the meaning of this as something that I think we can agree on. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene said, you know, we need a, a, a national divorce the red and the blue states. Um, I mean, and we all, in talking about the issues, have seen uh, people uh, migrating uh, out of blue states into red states, certainly here in Florida. I mean, it's one of the reasons why it has gotten more and more red. Now we've got people coming, uh, fleeing here, you might say, from so many different places, and uh, they want to get out more and more people are coming to the conclusion that if they're in these, these, these blue states, they want to get out for the sake of their sanity and for the sake of their family, for the sake of their future, for the sake of their businesses, uh, for the sake of their freedom to worship, uh, just for the sake of uh, knowing that they're going to be able to bring up their children in a place where there is some, uh, some current of sanity. Because the policies of the radical left, I mean, they, they, friends, they don't even deserve the name policies. They're just, it's just an insane deterioration of goodness and reason and, and law and order and respect for life. So that much we can understand. In other words, there is something happening naturally where people, you know, people of like mind want to stick together with people of like mind. And, and uh, uh, that is part of what is going on. And so that happens naturally. And I think it's wise in our day, by the way, to, to counsel people that, yeah, if you feel you have to leave, leave. Uh, you know, many people... Um, I think the further back we go, the more people would say, stay and, and try to transform uh, your particular uh, state. Well, yeah, there's some of that. I mean, I was just at the March for Life in California, 
and uh, on Monday. And uh, I mean, our ministry started in California. There's a lot of lot of red out there. There's a lot of uh, strong pro-life and pro-America uh, citizens and sentiment. And but that, but that doesn't mean that um, that's necessarily the best advice uh, for someone to you know stay and try to make a transformation. Again, you have to consider your own well-being and uh, and the well-being uh, of your family and your children going forward. But does a national divorce mean that we're actually going to formalize a essentially separation juridically of the country and a secession of the states? Well, this is what most people would be against, right? And this is not, I don't think, the most uh, fruitful conversation to even have because this so that is so impractical to actually talk about all right well let's 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 split this into two countries i don't think that's the place to start with this particular kind of conversation um here's how i understand a national divorce and here's how i think we can talk about it a recognition of incompatibility a recognition of the incompatibility at its root, substantial and irreversible incompatibility between the worldviews of what is the left and the right, what is red and blue, what is the Democrat-Republican, what is conservative and left-wing. Because it's true. It is incompatible. Uh, there can be very compatible differences between people on the level of policy. We've talked about this before. The different policies for a, for a, a community to uh, reduce the crime uh, that is there, right? Yeah, you could have you could be, agree on the need for law and order. Uh, you can agree on uh, the goal of of uh, making the community safe, and you can disagree about specific policies as to whether or not they will actually reduce crime. And and a lot of this uh, on many issues, uh, the, a lot of this policy making and is policy testing. And you go by trial and error. And uh, if something isn't really working out, and you know, have the humility uh, to uh, see that, oh, we thought it was going to work out. It didn't work out. And so now we're going to try something different. Okay, fair enough, right? But what if the people involved were to have different principles altogether? I want to reduce crime. And what if the opposing view was that I want to uh, increase crime? Well, that's incompatible. You can't, because now you're going like this. You're not going in the same direction. You know, you got different ideas about how to implement it. Now you're not even disagreeing. Now you're not even agreeing on the underlying principle. It's the, it's the abortion debate also. I mean, this I've been saying for, for a very long time. It's not just the difference in policy. Will we allow a particular procedure called abortion or not? Or to what extent will we, will we limit it? Um, that very policy disagreement is a disagreement on the level of principle. It is a disagreement on the level of principle. 
because you're talking about the difference between whether you will protect life or not. And the policy becomes the principle. The protection of life is a principle. It's, a, it's, it's at the very core and the very purpose of government. So you can't have a, a, any kind of a reconciliation between life and death. I will protect or I will not protect a baby. Human life deserves to be uh, protected because there's an inherent right to life or a government is allowed to permit the taking of life. Those are, those are irreconcilable views. Now, on a whole lot of issues, we have to come to recognize that the left and the right have become irreconcilable if each camp holds to the principles that they're currently holding to. Again, for example, is America to have her own freedom as a nation or are we to become part of some global community in the sense of globalist that what our courts decide, according to our Constitution, is not necessarily the final word, but that rather so, let's say when it comes to pandemics, the World Health Organization should have say over whether there's a pandemic and what a country should do about it, or whether there should be lockdowns, etc. And these are irreconcilable views. America first means that we are a nation we have sovereignty. We have freedom. It means the buck stops here. We're not controlled by some other country or by some overarching international agency. It doesn't mean isolationism either. It doesn't mean we don't collaborate with other nations, nor does it mean even that we don't recognize certain the, 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 the usefulness of certain international institutions and agencies. As long as you're preserving the sovereignty of America connected with that, the principle that unless you have a border, you don't have a country. If you don't have a border, you don't have a country. And yet we have people that are that are open border people. This is like okay, we're 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 uh, to, to let them in. And on the other hand, I was with Brick Suit the other day uh, last week as we were at CPAC. If you follow my social media postings, you see that I was with Brick Suit. And uh, we had a good conversation. He'll build a wall, finish the wall. It's not just policy disagreements here that we've come to. It's disagreements on the level of principle about what it means to be a nation, uh, about freedom. What about our history as, as Americans? Do we acknowledge it? Or do we believe that this is a country based on evil? inherently racist and that the country therefore has to be radically and fundamentally transformed uh, all of these things we've come to the point where uh on basic ma matters of freedom justice morality right to life there are irreconcilable differences here because we're standing on different worldviews. And the battle is being waged not just as a matter of debate. It's not an academic thing. It's being waged in the arena of politics 
elections, legislative debates, executive actions that are then being enforced by agencies that in some cases have become weaponized like the FBI going after peaceful pro-life protesters and people like uh, Mark Houck. These have real, real life consequences, physical consequences to an irreconcilable set of principles. You see how someone could come to the conclusion, say, having considered all this, that, yeah, you know, being that it's irreconcilable on the level of principle, it's therefore irreconcilable on the level of policy and therefore of politics, and therefore you can see how the trend of thought would logically lead to saying maybe we do need two different countries. So I'm not going to go that far. I don't think you go that far, although people are free to think or debate that. But what I'm saying is this. What if we, we acknowledge that, okay, let's stop trying on some of these questions. When it is a difference of principle, let's stop trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. I think this is where we can reasonably say, yeah, there's a certain kind of national divorce that we need to have. In other words, we stop trying to pretend that there can be some kind of compromise here. Because there is no compromise between life and death. There is no compromise between freedom and, and uh, uh, tyranny. There is no middle ground here between um, being a nation and, and, and being absorbed into some kind of globalist uh, entity. There isn't. So if you recognize the incompatibility, then at least you can say, all right, let's, you know, everybody has to declare themselves. We've got to know where we stand. And then it becomes easier for voters to really go one way or the other. You know, we've always said in the pro-life movement, we want to get people out of the middle. We want to get them out of the middle. Because being in the middle isn't good. When it comes to the matter of protecting life, you know, either you're all in and you're going to say, we're going to protect human life. Or you, uh, or you say no. It's it's uh, we're all in for this freedom of choice that that includes a so-called right to abortion. And, and and you know at least if people decide where they stand on this, we can come to some kind of a not consensus but resolution. You know, if people understand the incompatibility of the two positions, then they're forced to choose. They don't go along then pretending that they can be noncommittal. It's, oh, well, you know, I'm this and this at the same time. There is no this and this at the same time when it's life and death, when it's freedom versus tyranny. So I think in that sense, uh, it makes sense. A recognition of incompatibility. And then you go from there and you say, okay, people have to choose. You know what it's like? It's like an Elijah moment. Uh, we read in this in the uh, second book of Kings, we start to look at the story of Elijah, chapter 17, chapter 18. You know, at a certain point, Elijah said, okay, uh, he said to the people, how long are you going to wobble between two opinions? How long are you going to straddle the fence? He said, choose today whom you will serve. 
If the Lord is God, serve him. If Baal is God, well, then serve him. But you can't have it both ways because these are, again, there was a recognition on the part of Elijah, and he wanted to impart this to the people, that there's an incompatibility between serving the Lord and serving Baal. Because one is a true God and one is false, and you can't have it both ways. And if you acknowledge the one to be true, then you have to obey and follow his commands. If you're acknowledging the one who is the true God, but then you're not following his commands, that's a, that's not a, a uh, viable position. Because now you're contradicting yourself and the, 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 the division is inside of you. Have it one way or the other. Come around the true God. We've got to come around the true principles of freedom and life. And that's why, that's the sense in which acknowledging the incompatibility, acknowledging the, the permanence of the division can lead to unity. Because then you, 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 you realize what has to be done. And more people will, even politically, perhaps, be able to make that choice. Some people really believe, ah, well, you know, there's really not that much difference when I go to vote because, you know, I mean, they're all, you know, trying, they've all got our good at heart and they're all, you know, they all mean well and eh, let's try this and let's try that. No, listen, they don't all mean well. And this is where, you know, it, it's good for us to acknowledge the incompatibility, have a, that divorce conceptually between the two worldviews, the folks that are running this circus going on right now in Washington, they do not have our best interests at heart. They do not mean us well. The people who are forcing critical race theory on our children, the people that are advocating for open borders, the people that are pushing unlimited abortion, they don't have our good at heart. They aren't on the same page for the good of America. So the faster we recognize that, the better it is. Because then people are not going to go to the voting booth, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, let's see how I feel today, or make their decisions based on the last kind of feeling that they got from the last speech that they heard from the last candidate who spoke. It can't be based on this. We've got to go deeper and say, all right, what is the whole world view? Because all these issues go together, don't they? And this brings up uh, something that uh, Michael Knowles said at the CPAC uh, uh, event about, you know, abolishing the transgenderism, abolishing false ideas. Not, not, we're not talking about genocide against people. Come on, come on. He's not, not in the least way suggesting that neither are any of us. But the point is that if you have a philosophy that isn't true, then a person who loves what is true can't admit or allow any of it. We think the same thing in terms of abortion. I mean, you can't have the idea, oh, well, I can kill some babies some of the time. Well, then you've broken the principle by which your life is protected. You can't kill some of the babies some of the time. You can't kill any of the babies any of the time. You can't justify that. And again, recognizing the total incompatibility of these positions helps us to get to the point of resolution. It's putting it another way. It's what Steve Bannon said in his talk, and I quoted this already. 
uh, when he said at CPAC, you know, some people will fail to fight hard for the country or they'll fail to um, adopt a certain policy or a certain approach because they say it doesn't serve party unity. He says, well, we're not ultimately looking here for unity. We're looking for victory. Victory for what is right. Victory for what is good. So just wanted to share a few Random thoughts there. Uh, thank you uh, for all the uh, the comments that are coming out. And you just see before we go to our prayer, um, the left chose this path when uh, I have to see what these comments are. Uh, right there, Kay Hinn, uh, the left chose this path when they decided to persecute President Trump for nothing in 2017. Yes, that's right. You see, this is part of the recognition of the incompatibility, too, where the other side is not content just to disagree with us, and they're not even content just to vote against us. They're not content until they persecute, prosecute, and silence us or lock us up. Patricia is saying, be radical like Jesus. Yeah, that's right. There is no... Being radical means going to the root and that means if, if at the root you're either choosing life or you're choosing death and you recognize the incompatibility, well, that's how you rally people to your side. Uh, that's how it works. Um, all right. Let's see. Steve is drinking alcohol. Okay, that's interesting. Um, CPAC was amazing. Colin said President Trump nailed it at the conclusion. Oh boy, that was, you know, many of, uh, of these programs here praying for America. I've already started analyzing that speech and I'm going to, uh, uh, devote, uh, the next few programs to analyzing it in, uh, in a great deal of, uh, um, uh, of, uh, in a great deal of detail. Uh, Joe is saying uh, in the title, the term national divorce is a new term for me. Yes, uh, that, uh, you're in good company. Uh, this is just came up recently. Again, for those that aren't aware of the history uh, of a comment from uh, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, it sparked quite a bit of controversy, quite a bit of conversation. And most people, most people do not want, uh, as another one of you said in your comments, you know, united we stand, e pluribus unum, a key phrase in the United States, out of many one. Uh, not because we want to erase ethnic distinctions, not even because we want to erase political distinctions, uh, but because we want to rest on the same principles. That's e pluribus unum, out of many, one. And we can be a nation that welcomes uh, immigrants from all kinds of different places, and we do more than any other country, because they come here not based on ethnicity. That's the point. They come here not based on geography. They come here based on a principle. That the, that the United States of America holds up for all the world of God-given rights and a government that serves those rights and thereby preserves the freedom of its people. All right. Thanks, friends. Um, Judy is saying um, uh, was the best speech uh, President Trump uh, ever gave uh the one he gave the other night saturday night at cpac watch it at presidenttrumprallies.com we always post the speeches there for you to see and to see again um which is uh a benefit <coughs> excuse me let's pray father thank you for helping us to 
think through the questions of unity and division and, and compatibility or incompatibility of ideas. It's so important for the survival of our nation, so important for us going forward. It's only the beginning of the discussion. But Lord, give us, give us that kind of clarity. And again, give us a Pentecost where we come together not to obliterate legitimate differences, not to get rid of our legitimate diversity, but rather to establish ourselves again on, on the same principles. Freedom, life, truth, the very existence of truth. The reality of family and the authority of parents and the reality that there are men and there are women. We thank you, Lord, that we do know the truth. And we ask you always to keep us humble in accepting and proclaiming it and serving one another in that truth. Let's sum up all our prayers and praises in offering the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, friends, for joining me tonight live. Thank you for your comments, questions. And uh, I'm going to be traveling tomorrow in, uh, in New York and going to have a couple of other cities I have to hit in the next few days. But we've got our program still coming to you. Keep watching. We've got some pre-tapes and, uh, of course, connect with me on social media at FR Frank Pavone. Always thinking of you, praying for you. We will talk to you very soon. Please spread the word about this program. Let's expand our audience together as we continue praying and working to save America. God bless you. Powerful new voices are arising in the debate over abortion. The voices of those who have actually experienced it. From coast to coast, women and men who have lost children to abortion are speaking out about its pain and devastation and about the healing and forgiveness they have found through the pro-life movement. Their witness is changing hearts and minds. Former U.S. Senator Zell Miller writes, The most poignant sight for me at this year's annual pro-life march and demonstration in Washington, D.C. was the large number of women holding signs saying they regretted their abortions. Celebrity Kourtney Kardashian says, I looked online and I was sitting on the bed hysterically crying, reading these stories of people who felt so guilty from having an abortion. I was reading these things of how many people are traumatized by it afterwards. Priests for Life saving lives for over 30 years. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.